1 Corinthians chapter 1, reading verses 1 to 9. This is what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. Not the church of Corinth, but the church in Corinth. It's very important to note that little word in there. Uh, there's no arrogance that the, this is the church. It is one of the big congregations within Corinth. And um, he says a little bit more. So Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And our brother, Sothenus. None of us know who this guy is, or this lady is, <laughs> for that part. Um, the commentators were trying to guess, but they don't know, so I certainly don't know who that is either. But verse 2 says, To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be. Can you mention those words with me? To call to be? His holy people. Interesting. Does that scare you to be called the holy people of God? It shouldn't. It's a very positive thing. Together with all those everywhere, the church universal, who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. Let's pause here. If you read further on in the book of Corinthians, Paul had every reason not to give thanks to God for this church. They were a difficult church, full of all kinds of things. And yet he says, as he starts out the letter, he says, I thank my God. For you. Because of what? Because of his grace. We're going to learn a little bit about his grace this morning. Because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way. With all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony of Christ among you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift. As you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm in the end. So that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this word. This is where the key word comes in. God is faithful. Who has called you into fellowship with his son. Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's very, very interesting that Paul starts out this letter and he says to them, um, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, where we look at verse 3. And this is how he starts off, grace and peace to you. And in all different cultures, there are certain greeting styles that become the order of the day. I remember in the 80s when I lived in America for about six years, when you walked past someone in the deep south, um, coming from South Africa, I used to say hello to them, and they would say, how are you doing? And I would stop, and I want to say to them, this is how I'm doing, and they're already three, four meters down the road. 
You know, you know the, the, their form of greeting was, um, how you doing? But that was just a form of greeting they really didn't want to know. Now, we were in New Zealand for the last four weeks with our son, Ryan. And the New Zealand people are so friendly. Jenny and I, we were at a shop with, um, with, uh, with, with Ryan and Storm, and we were buying some stuff, and we were, uh, Jenny was paying at the counter, and there was a girl, maybe 18, 19, 20 years old, who was at the cash register, and she said hello to Jen, and Jen says hello back, and Jen thought it was going to be a quick exchange of just, I'm fine, thank you. And this girl started to have a conversation with Jen. There were people waiting behind her, but she was genuinely interested in how Jenny was feeling. And the New Zealanders have that way of, and we found that everywhere in New Zealand. That's their form of greeting. Now, here in Switzerland, we have many different forms of greetings here, and I'm still learning them because, you know, certain parts of, 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 of Switzerland, um, even with a Swiss-German, uh, the greeting is a little bit different. And Jen and I have learned that when someone gives the greeting, we'll stop and say, is this what they said or is that what they said? And so we're still learning here how to respond to the greetings within Switzerland. But here in the scripture, we see that they had similar greetings. In the ancient times when the Greeks wrote a letter, they used to use a word similar to grace, but it wasn't quite the same. Their usual word meant good wishes. So when they said to each other, um, grace, it just meant I wish you well. When the Hebrews wrote a letter, they began with the word peace, shalom, which meant, I hope you will have a harmonious life, be at peace with yourself, others, and God. That's more like the New Zealand greeting, isn't it? But when Christians write a letter, they bring together the Greek world and the Jewish world, and they transform it here as Paul does, and he says, grace and peace, translated into that everything that God wish each other is really found in God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that cool? So when he says grace and peace, he says, I wish for you everything that is found for you in Christ Jesus our Lord. And my friends, as we'll see as we study the book of Corinthians, that that is such an enriching greeting because he says, man, everything that Christ has for you, he says, I trust and I desire that you walk in it. Now, for several of us here, we're not quite able to walk in that state of blessing because of many reasons. But God this morning wants to reach out to us and he wants to remind us that the avenue is open for you and I to receive everything that we need to live in fellowship with him. And that is such a pleasure, but it's also such an incredible privilege. The book of Corinthians challenges us, as you see here, to be known as God's holy people. 
And you'll read all the way through it and you'll understand why in the greeting, Paul uses God's holy people several times here. Because that is what Paul wants the world to see, to see that we are God's holy people. Not a legalistic, straight jacket, serious, lack joy type of people. But a holy people, it means, as Ken said in his greeting today, a people that are separated unto him for a specific reason. That is what it means to be God's holy people. We separate unto him for a specific purpose. And when we are that, then the world is most blessed. Because we can give the world exactly what Jesus wants them to have. And so this is the thrust of 1 Corinthians um, that we are studying. And that's why you see that Paul wrestles with the people in the church. Because he says at the end of the day, when Jesus comes back, he is going to present you holy before him. Because that is Jesus' work, not really our work. We can try and be holy, but we fall so far short. But when we allow God to work within our lives, he is perfecting us for his purposes and for his plans. And, and he says, when Jesus comes back, that is who you're going to be. So let's try to put ourselves into positions where we live out our true identity as children of God. And my friends, my challenge for myself is that I would be one of the holy people of God so that Others could benefit through the gift that God has for them. And so we, we see here that um, if you feel, just like I do, that you are lacking what you need to live all out for God, if you feel that you're lacking in some area to live all out for God, my friends, I want to encourage you this morning to see that God has provided everything that you and I need to live all out for God. And so my challenge to you this morning is, let's make a commitment as we understand what God has provided for us to live all out for God. Do you think that's an unrealistic expectation? Yes? It is realistic for us to live all out for God. And I feel that's the challenge for us, is to be those type of people. And so often we would say, but I just feel like I can't. And Paul is saying to us today through the scripture, you actually can. Because in Christ Jesus, he has provided everything that you need for life and godliness. But not only does Paul say it, Peter says it in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, that he has provided everything that you and I need for life and for godliness. And so Paul, so clearly and so beautifully, outlines for us just the superabundant provision of God. And that is our title this morning, is um, God's superabundant provision. One of the things that I really love about the, the Swiss um, language is that uh, they've uh, inherited 
um, a wonderful South African word called super. Not quite. <laughs> but I love it whenever the Swiss, where you say something and they say to you, super. I say, I can understand that. And my friends, you know, this is what God has provided for us as a people. He has provided a super abundant provision in God. There is nothing ordinary about it. It is super. There is nothing limited about it. It is abundant. It is His provision into our lives. And so when He calls us to be a holy people, He also equips us to be a holy people. I think it would be cruel of God to call us a holy people if He doesn't provide for us exactly what we need to be a holy people. And so, um, what are some of the super abundant provision that God has given to us to be His holy people that is a fragrant offering, smell, to the world that draws them to Him? Well, the first provision that God has made available is an overabundant amount of grace. It's the first thing. An overabundant. You can see I've changed the wording um, a little bit since I gave this to Adam because I just felt I need to express it even better. But God has made available an overabundant amount of grace to succeed in our calling to be his holy people. The word grace is an interesting word, and I think as Christians we use it a lot. The Bible uses it a lot. There is a wide range of understanding about the word Grace, and I think it is definitely one of the most beautiful words that we can embrace as his people. And um, someone has made a neat acrostic from the five letters, the word grace, and they say it is God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's very well known to the Christian world. That acrostic. But grace is basically God's riches to us at the expense of Christ. It is God's gift to us, and Jesus paid for it. And it's a once and for all gift. It never, ever again needs to be paid or repaid. God's grace is a gift that's given in the past tense, a full mark is placed behind the sentence, and it is ours forever. Isn't that wonderful? That's God's grace. And so Paul starts out from the beginning, and he says, you know, one of the provisions that God has given to you is his super abundant grace. And the reason why we have such a problem defining the word grace, because it is so super. It is so amazing. 
and Kima led us in that song, the band, you know, His Amazing Grace. Grace is truly amazing in every sense of the word because it is a gift given to us that we have nothing to do with. He's given it to us. It's a gift given. The only thing that we need to do is to receive it by believing that he's given it to us through Jesus Christ. And it starts, our understanding starts when we talk about grace, that we were far from God because of our sins. We were actually at war with God because of our sins. There was enmity between us, um, Paul says in the book of Romans. Uh, There was conflict between us. As a matter of fact, we were destined to an eternity without Christ forever and forever and forever. And his wrath, because of our disobedience, because of our sinful nature and state, and also because of the sins that we've committed, was a terrible place to be in. And then, God, because he loved us so much, said, I want to draw these people to myself. How am I going to do it? Well, I need to forgive their sins. I've got to take away their guilt and shame. We've got to become friends. And the way to do it is to give the greatest gift that the world's ever received. And that is Jesus Christ. But someone had to be punished for our sin. For the Lord to be fulfilled and satisfied. And God says, who can do that? And the third person of the God had said, Second person of the God had said, Jesus, he said, I will do it. And the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever, Jews, Gentiles, Swiss, American, Russian, Chinese, whosoever should believe in him will not die, will not perish but will have eternal life. And all who would believe that message will receive the gift of grace. Grace means that we've received God's favor. Isn't that awesome? My friends, grace can only be understood if we step into that place. Any other grace is soulish. It is not redemptive. This type of grace is redemptive because we realize that we couldn't save ourselves. We weren't good enough to save ourselves. It was only Jesus who was good enough to save us. And that's the gift that the Father gave to us is the life that Jesus gives through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That is amazing grace. Now, I don't know, every now and then, Jenny and I will have a little argument. So this morning, my practice is to give her coffee in bed um, on a regular basis every morning. And over the last summer, I don't know what's happened, but the milk doesn't last as long as we think it should. So in the refrigerator it was, I got up, Jenny's hero, and I made her a cup of coffee and mine. She was in bed. I climbed in bed with her, put the cup of coffee, measured her little bit of 
you know, sweetener that's in there. I try to get it perfect. It's in powder form, so a little bit too much, a little bit too little. Not, you know, I got to get it right. So I thought I got it just right. Put it next to the bed, and Jen took that cup of coffee, and she drank it. But for some reason, she didn't just take one sip of it. She took several sips of this coffee just to say, oh, the milk is sour. Fortunately, I was a little bit slower than her, and I didn't drink my coffee. So I didn't suffer the same consequences <laughs> as she did. But for some reason, um, I don't think at that moment I had Jen's favor. Have you ever... Uh, yeah, sorry? Absolutely, she said. So I'm out of favor. How do you get favor back? The most horrible thing is to live in a place where you do not have someone's favor. Can you agree with me? And so I, I was, I'm not sure if I'm still out of favor. But when you're out of favor, it is not the best place to be in. I hate that feeling. I'm a people's person, and so if, if someone, if I'm out of favor with someone in the church or with my family or with Jen or with Ken or with Wayne or with all of those who I think are my friends, if I'm out of favor, there's that yucky, yucky feeling. I remember years ago, Wayne, um, we had just got here, and Wayne said to me, Piet, you, you do like it when people like you. I said, Wayne, I do. And so many of the decisions that we needed to make then, but also generally as a leader within the church, put you out of favor with people. And so I hate that feeling, but it's part of what we need to do. And so I've had to live with that. But it's a horrible thing when you're out of favor with someone. My friends, it is even worse when we sin and when the devil accuses us and when we justify our sin and we don't have that peace within our hearts, are you there from time to time? And you just don't feel the favor of God. My friends, what Paul teaches us here in this passage of Scripture, he teaches us that grace has been brought to us in the past tense. That means we've, we shouldn't go and do all kinds of good works now to gain God's favor. We should just go to him and say, God, I acknowledge that I've sinned, but there's nothing I need to do to gain your favor again because your grace has been poured out on me. Amen? That's how powerful grace is. Grace is a past tense activity. He's done it. It's a gift given. You cannot earn it again. How can you earn something that God has given to you? I had a good friend. He's passed on to be with Jesus now. Uh, he actually was the previous pastor that I took over from in the church that we led in South Africa. He had led that church for 37 years, Charles Gordon. And when the church was handed over to me and I started leading it, Charles and I would get together from time to time. For a meal, and I remember our first meal we got together. We sat down, and he was this awesome figure, um, and a man so well known. And we sat down, and we had lunch together. And after we had lunch, um, he paid the bill, and I said to him, "Charles, thank you very much, but the next time, 
we have lunch, I will pay. And he looked at me, he says, Piet, I wasn't aware that we are keeping count. Whoa, he sought me out straight there and then. He says, are we keeping an account here? You know, and grace is not like that. Grace doesn't keep an account. Well, you do it tomorrow and I would do it the next day. Can you see how we fall into this place where everything is contractual? If you do this, ah, next time I will do that. And no wonder we've got a problem and we have difficulty understanding God's grace. God's grace isn't like that. Just because God has given so much doesn't mean that you and I need to repay God back for what he's given. Because we can never do it. Grace is superabundant. Life that God gives us. My friends, if we don't misunderstand this concept of grace, if we don't live in the overabundance of it, then we've never understood the concept of grace. Charles Swindoll says this. He says, if people don't abuse the grace of God, then they've never at one stage within their lives lived in it. And I know that creates some controversy for us. But he says, grace is, is so superabundant that the temptation is to, to live um, irresponsibly with grace. Because it is the direct opposite of legalism. To live in God's grace, we've got to do all of these things. All. To earn God's grace, you've got to do this, that, this, and this, and this, and that. God says no. He says, I have in a super abundant way given you this gift of grace that leads to salvation, that leads to a holy life. And God says, I don't keep score. <laughs> I paid yesterday, now today you've got to pay. I feel kind of offended when we go to a restaurant and I pay for someone and they say, well, I will pay next time. That's not the reason why I paid this time is for you to pay next time. Amen? I know our culture demands it, but, but no wonder again I emphasize we have a problem with God's grace. God's grace is unlike anything else that we've ever experienced. We went to New Zealand just to be with my son. And it was probably for me the most incredible gift of grace that we've received, just to go to New Zealand to be with my son. He's 28 years old now. We're really, really friends. Before there was the arm wrestling father, son, you know, and all. Now we're friends. And honestly, I think it was probably the best holiday I've ever had. Uh, I could have stayed another two, three weeks. And um, it was just the most sweetest time. It was also a sweet, bitter time because as I left, I understood again, new and afresh, what family can be like when you're with your children. Um, and, and that was the bitterness within my heart that we had to separate and that we had to leave. But I also understand the great privilege of the gospel. And God, we can never outgive God. Amen? Never outgive God. Uh, he always outgives us. And while we were there, our neighbor sent us a message because they were looking after our apartment. 
And they said, can you bring us back these two things that we hang around our necks? It's, it's a New Zealand, it's kind of like a charm. It's, 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 it's something like that. Can you bring us two back? So we went and we priced them. And we sent them. they said, please tell us how much it's going to cost. Send us what it looks like if it's the same thing we did that. And they said, no, please, would you buy that for us? And so we bought that for them. And they're a lovely Swiss couple. They um, lived in New Zealand for a few years, so, so it's a great conversational topic when we went. And Jen and I had agreed that we wanted to give it to them as a gift. We didn't want them to pay us back. And we knew that that was going to be a struggle because of the cultures that we do live in. People don't accept very, very easily. And um, Jen took uh, the gifts to them, and at first they wouldn't receive it. And we had heard in New Zealand that, that, that this that you hold around your neck, if you pay for it, then it will bring you bad luck. But if you receive it as a gift, it is good luck. Now, I know we don't believe in bad luck and good luck as Christians, but we kind of use that storyline. <laughs> and so Jen gave it to them, and she told them the story. And I think they knew it, but she said, we give it to you. It is good luck when you receive a gift. And they received it. And I always have a, we always have a joking relationship, and we talk, and, but never too long conversations because of our lack of German. And normally with her, when I see her, I'll shake her hand, you know, and we'll greet each other. Two days later, because I hadn't seen them yet, she came out of the lift. I said, hello, and I mentioned her name. I stuck out my hand, and she just came, and she hugged me. Just embraced me, and she held me probably for about three or four seconds. She's retired, and um, just a lovely, lovely lady. And you see, my friends... When we live a legalistic life as Christians with God, Ken, would you come here for a moment? The distance, we, we almost handshake with God from a distance. Uh, because it is like, God, um, you've done this, but now I've got to repay all of this. It's a handshake. It's, 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 it's distant. But when we start to understand that God has given us an incredible gift of grace. It's no longer a distant relationship. Grace causes us to become familiar with one another and in God's case, we become intimate with Him. And with our neighbor, when she rejected my handshake and she embraced me, that is what grace does. Amen? That's what grace does. Thanks, Ken. My friends, this is the beauty of grace. Grace is the affirming presence of God in your life. He affirms you. When others do not affirm you, grace affirms you. Means God says, hey, you're a one. You're number one. God affirms us. God's grace is also the empowering presence of God 
in your life, not only to affirm you, but also to make you holy. Amen? That's what God's grace does. That's why we are separated people unto him, displaying his splendor and his glory to the world out there, which we trust would be the aroma of life. Not the stench of death, as Paul says, but the aroma of life. That's what grace does. And so, my friends, as I conclude, living all out for God is possible when we live in the provision of His super abounding grace in God. Let's embrace it as a people.